Well, my wife and I have been getting into the show that's on Netflix called Away. It's about five astronauts that are on a mission to land on Mars. And as with any space mission, there's certainly problems. It's part of just what adds to the drama of, of a television show. But in a life-critical situation, as they're near the end of their mission, they need to do a spacewalk, where you are going outside the shuttle into space and uh, all those surreal images that you see uh, on Google and everything like that. And it's left to the commander and a guy who is has never been in space before, if I'm remembering it right, let alone ever done a spacewalk, which I'm guessing is uh, an entirely different kind of beast. So understandably, he's scared out of his mind. I mean, his life and his crew's lives and all of them depend on them succeeding in this mission. I don't, if you're still watching the show or you haven't watched it yet, A, it's a great show, but B, uh, I don't want to spoil it, so I'm going to kind of leave it at that. You know, sometimes fear can do everything possible to stop us from doing what we need to do, whatever that is. It can stop us from starting that business we've always dreamed of. It can stop us from writing that book that we've always had in our heads or writing that life-changing letter that we've known for years that we've got to pen to somebody. It can stop us from taking the job, making the move, going back to school, whatever the case may be. You ever feel that? Like, I know something needs to happen, and I know I need to do something, but I just don't know if I can. You know what? The church community can get caught in that deer in headlights syndrome as well, where our mission of hope that we are called to share gets stunted by fear. And we become, as I said in the, the uh, welcome this morning, we become like a haunted house as a church. We become dim and dark and closed off and, and shut in. Everything that is the opposite of what the church has been called to be. So where do we look to to turn the porch lights back on, proverbially speaking? That we might be a place where we can keep sharing that mission of hope that we've been called and given. As we look forward to um, you know, the great Pearson Avenue holiday called Halloween, as it is here in New York at least, that's a question we're going to ask in this series, Haunted House. What holds us back from making an impact in our communities? Whether it is our communities here in New York, in Chicago, in Wisconsin, in Nigeria, wherever. And today, John brings up one of his favorite themes uh, in his gospel. And it's this contrast between light and dark. John is this thing for light, pretty cool theme. And while many rightly and understandably love John 3.16 and, and 3.17, which goes with it, I'm going to put the spotlight on John's theme, which really comes up a few verses later. In verses 19 to 21. This is John 3. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so they may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. See, there's this connection that John makes between he has this theme of light, but he also makes this connection between darkness and sin. And, and those things that we do or things that we don't do that get God just shaking his head like, oh, come on. I know I'm being a little anthropomorphic here, but um, we could call it a metaphor. And it works out in more than one way. 
this comparison. Because where does sin lead? Where does disobeying God or, or not caring about what God even wants, where does that lead? It leads to turning inward. It leads to hiding. Maybe we'd think of it out of shame, out of embarrassment. But think about it this way. After Adam and Eve had sinned, and, and sin kind of comes into the human picture, what happened? We see it in Genesis 3, 7 and 8. Then the eyes of both Adam and Eve were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So before they had disobeyed God, before Adam and Eve had sinned, they had no shame. They weren't embarrassed. Now that they were sin, now that they had sinned, they feel compelled to hide. Hide from each other, hide from God. As they're playing, you know, as I'm playing hide and seek with my kids, I often find, you know what, it's easier to hide in darkness. If I'm hiding under a spotlight, it, even my youngest can find me pretty quick. So let me rearrange the word order for verse 19. It, it's the same words. I just want to spell out a, a theme of what's going on. People, because their deeds were evil, loved the darkness rather than the light. See, Luther, Martin Luther, gives this image that really helps to um, put some put some skin on this whole idea. It says, Scripture describes mankind as so curved in on itself, on himself, that in all things he seeks only himself. Here's, herein lies the danger for the church community. Through the best way I can put it, um, a fear of ex- being exposed as not being perfect. Oh my goodness, the ch- church made of people is not perfect. We see it in verse 20, how I, how I make that connection. For those who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. We see it in the, the idea of the Sunday best. It's one of those phrases that uh, is connected with going to church and, and Christian church and all that. But, you know, you don't have to be a Christian to kind of understand that idea. So unfortunately, it comes out of a day that Christians gather, but it means having this facade that everything is always great. You know, everything is Pinterest perfect. The kind of um, moments that we have no problem putting up on Pinterest or on social media saying, my life is wonderful. Everything is always great. You know, it, it kind of be like I'm off visiting somebody in the hospital and they've got tubes coming out of places where tubes are not supposed to be coming out of. And I walk in the room as the pastor and, yay, everything is great. Praise Jesus. And I'm like, huh? Really? Okay. You know, nobody in church ever struggles with anything. Or that's the impression that we often try and give. As though a Christian who struggles with something somehow makes God look weak or makes faith look worthless. Or, quite honestly, to put more honestly, somebody who, a Christian who struggles makes us look weak. Or so we think. The fact is, the church was never meant to be a sanctuary for saints, but a hospital for sinners. Our mission as Christians, our um, 
great commission that Jesus gave us is not built on we're awesome. I mean, does John 3.16 say, for God so loved the world because we were awesome and it, that anyone who's perfect shall not perish? No. That verse that so many people take hope in is, for God so loved the world, so he sent us the light of the world. I'm putting a few ideas together, but it's the same idea. God loved the world, so he sent us Jesus. The light that can beat the darkness that we try to hide or beat the darkness that we try and hide behind. Our mission is to share that light, that light of the world as Jesus calls himself. We see Matthew 5, 15, no one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. See, if we're hiding in darkness, or we're pretending that we've never faced sin in our lives, that it's always always been perfect, our mission goes all deer and headlights on us. Does this mean if we uh, follow this idea that people will know that the world will know that the church isn't perfect? Yes. And I'm sorry to burst the bubble of those who are in church, but it's true. The people in a church are not perfect. And the world knows it anyway. You know, we might as well not fool ourselves. But here's the good thing. I think I said last week, we can have a hopeless situation, but God comes around, comes through, and God does world-changing things through broken people, through people who struggle, through broken churches. One church that we read about in Scripture it rivals some of the worst things that go on in stereotypical Las Vegas. We read about it in 1 Corinthians. Read that book. And, and 2 Corinthians is not much different, written to the same church. Um, they were messy. They did a lot of things wrong. And it's not that we turn every checkout line into our own personal confessional. But when we own these things, these struggles, these sins that we have, that we commit, I mean, we, there's no use hiding, you know, trying to pretend like we've got it all perfect all the time. Then the light of the world does what only the light of the world can do. It takes what's dark and brings it appropriately into the light so that God can forgive and God can bring freedom. Case in point, out of my own life, I've had, I had my own struggles back in Chicago. I probably had my own since I came out to New York, but the one that I'm thinking in particular is back when I was in Chicago. And anybody who knows me throughout just about any part of my life knows I am masterful at keeping stuff in. Drives some of my family absolutely bonkers. You know, if if I don't want you to know it, you won't know it. And it's something I used to do very well and I used to pride myself on, which is helpful in some situations, but when you're struggling with something, not so much. Well, one day, when I was in seminary, I went to a trusted mentor. And I remember being in his office a, in an afternoon. And fortunately, there was a, a decent walk between where we were sitting at his desk and his front door. And I asked him you know, if I could shut the door and, and took that walk to, to close the door, having a few minutes thinking, man, I really hope this does not turn bad on me having this conversation. But I sat there with just him, and I took what I'd kept in the dark and 
brought it to the light and shared some of the struggles and, yeah, some of the sins that I was dealing with. And the cool thing was, first off, that he took it and he, he held it very, um, very well. He did not use it to bash me over the head or, or condemn me or anything like that. But God used a part of the church, which is, in essence, a community, and used it to help me have victory and to help me um, have freedom. And I wasn't afraid, or <coughs> I wasn't afraid that my Sunday best wasn't a reality, or that idea of Sunday best wasn't a reality in my life. And in its place, I could have freedom and I could have victory. As can you. So let me ask you, do you struggle with something? Be it sin or be it something else that makes you look less than perfect. Maybe it even has nothing to do with um, religious terminology or anything like that. But something that you would look at and think, wow, this isn't the persona that I would want to put out on Facebook or on Pinterest. Who can you trust to walk through it with you? Who can God use in your life to safely bring what's in the dark into the light so that you can have the freedom and the victory? I realize this next step may take more than a week, and that's perfectly fine. But here's my, my encouragement to you, is to make that first step to reach out to that person that you trust that could safely take whatever struggle it is you're dealing with and not bash you over the head with it, but that would walk with you through it so that God might be able to work through them to show you abundant life. Let's pray together. God, thank you for loving us, for loving this world so much that you sent us the light of the world, that we might be able to experience that, that we might have the freedom to Bring out those things that maybe we, we keep in the dark, those skeletons we keep in the closet, to bring them to you so that you can bring healing, you can bring life. Give us the courage to do that. Give us the community that walks through those times and those situations with us. All this we pray in your name. Amen.